0: If you've been in lockdown lately, you'd be forgiven for thinking we're in some sort of spaghetti western, bumper-to-bumper traffic has been replaced by tumbleweeds rolling down the streets. You're more likely to get caught in peak hour walking or riding in the park than on the roads. One of the biggest challenges facing our cities before the pandemic, and one we will eventually have to face again, is congestion on our roads. With so many people either out of work or working from home, now might seem like a strange time to be thinking about tackling congestion in our cities, but there are many reasons why it might also be the best time. Hello and welcome to the Grattan Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Clay. Today I'm joined by Greg Moran, Senior Associate in Grattan's Transport and Cities team, to talk about why congestion charging is back on the agenda and why that's a good thing. So Greg, we're going to be talking about the wonderful world of congestion charging. So before we dig into it, could you please explain what it is for anyone who isn't familiar with the idea?
1: Sure, Kat. So the congestion charging is a way to reduce road congestion by charging drivers a fee if they contribute to peak hour congestion. So, To put it another way, it's about paying to use the most in-demand roads at the most in-demand times. And and that's a really important point to note that this is not just a flat tax for using the road at any time and in anywhere. It's not about raising revenue. It's really about reducing congestion. So it's about making people think twice about whether they really need to be on the road um, or on the busiest roads at peak times. And so there are three sort of typical types of uh, congestion charge um, that you could apply. The first is called uh, cordon charging, and this involves charging drivers to pay to cross a boundary into and sometimes out of a designated uh, zone, such as a CBD. Uh, Another type of congestion charging is corridor charging, where drivers pay to drive along an urban freeway or arterial road. So this is quite similar to the toll roads we, we have today. And uh, another type of congestion charging that's a bit more far-reaching is what's called network-wide distance-based charging. And so with this form of congestion charging, drivers pay to drive within a designated network or area on a per-kilometre basis. And you'll typically have higher charges uh, applying in locations and at times of higher demand.
0: And last year, Grattan produced two reports on this very topic, which you can actually read for free on our website if you're interested in the topic. But the question I'm really interested in today is why now? Why not last year? It seems very strange to talk about congestion when the cities are so deserted.
1: Yeah, that's right. It is kind of a weird one. Um, But I guess congestion charging has been sort of put back on the agenda and been brought back into the policy debate by a couple of reports that have come out of New South Wales in the past couple of months. So the first of these was a draft report from an independent review that's being conducted by a panel of eminent Australians into New South Wales revenue system as it relates to federal funding. And this review was commissioned by the New South Wales government and is being led by David Thodey, who is uh, the current chair of the CSIRO and a former CEO of Telstra. The work of this review covers a number of areas, but one of those areas is road funding. And on this topic, the review's draft report had a recommendation that the New South Wales government should commence a trial for a congestion cordon around the Sydney CBD to better understand how Sydney drivers respond to time-based road pricing. And in making that recommendation, the draft report appears to have had a very close look at what Grattan's reports from last year had to say. So that's really pleasing. The second report out of New South Wales that has raised congestion charging is a recent, uh, what's called a green paper, so essentially a a discussion paper with some draft recommendations from the New South Wales Productivity Commission. And this paper covers a, a number of measures to improve productivity in New South Wales. And one of its draft recommendations is for the New South Wales government to develop a strategic business case for cordon charging in the Sydney CBD and and then any other uh, congestion hotspots uh, in Sydney. And and again, uh, this second report has also had a close look at the work we've done on congestion charging. So it's really interesting to see these two independent reports, both in the last couple of months, coming out with recommendations around uh, cordon charging for the Sydney CBD.
0: And that's a really exciting thing to see as well after producing those two reports to see this actually on the agenda and being discussed. Can you talk us through what a cordon charge in Sydney might look like? Where and when would it apply and how much might the charge be? And the big question, how will it be enforced?
1: Yeah, sure. So, Look, if the New South Wales government were to pursue this, there would be a number of different design choices it could make in in setting up the the charging scheme. There's really no single right way to design the scheme. Um, Having said that, we set out a fairly detailed design in our report last year, which we think is a a reasonable starting point. Um, So in terms of that design, in terms of where the cordon uh, would actually be, of course, listeners can go and take a look at our report to see some detailed maps about where we think we we should draw the cordon. Um, but roughly speaking, our recommended cordon for the Sydney CBD would cover the area west of and including the Domain, north of Central Station and east of Piermont. So I think uh, the area that is pretty much generally recognised as the Central CBD of Sydney in terms of how it would work um so we think that the way you could enforce this cordon would be through automatic number plate recognition cameras so these this is the same technology that um uh our certain speed cameras use some private car parks use now um, that toll roads use as a matter of uh, enforcement if you don't have the right tag and so you know, I think this technology is quite developed and highly convenient because it means there's no need to sort of stop at the edge of a cordon and sort of get a paper ticket or anything like that. Um, and you also wouldn't need to get an electronic tag in your car like you do with most toll roads. In terms of the the level of charge that would apply, um, we imagine that you could have a peak charge of around $5 to apply at the busiest time. So that might be um, a $5 charge to enter the CBD between 8 and 9.30 in the morning, and the same charge to leave the CBD between 4 and 6 in the afternoon. And we also imagine that it would make sense to have a lower shoulder charge of, say, $3 that would apply in the half hour or so around those peak times. And I should also add that those $5 and $3 charges would apply to cars, but we think it would make sense to also have higher charges for trucks, given they take up more road space and are more congesting.
0: So, the two reports for the New South Wales government you mentioned earlier that have put congestion charging back on the agenda, it seems more like plans for the future and not necessarily short-term solutions. Is that right?
1: So, I guess these reports, you know, do have um, longer time horizons in mind, um, but we don't necessarily sort of, you know, have to wait, you know, to put these things in place. So, you know just because we're we're going through the pandemic at the moment because we need to remember that congestion charging is a way to get people to change how and when they travel and the pandemic has meant that right now we are in an environment where people and workplaces have never been so accommodating as to when, how, and where we work. So in many ways, people's ability to adapt to the introduction of congestion charging is as good now as it might ever be and this point has been made in both those reports from New South Wales as well so the 30 review of federal financial relations says that the pandemic has proven that we can indeed change our behaviour and that there is a great potential to lock in at least some of the beneficial changes we've seen and the New South Wales Productivity Commission green paper says that the pandemic has demonstrated that when the need is there, we can quickly change how we do things. And that kind of changes the way to lasting improvement. But beyond it just being a matter of taking the opportunities we have now, there may even be an increasing need to manage congestion over the coming months. So although CBDs might be uh, quiet at the moment, as people return to working in the city, more and more people may choose to drive because there are passenger limits on public transport or they're worried about the risk of contagion on public transport.
0: And that's right, because there's so many people who have made the choice to drive the work, um, you know, my husband included, uh, because of wanting to avoid that need to be on public transport at the moment. I think it's really important to also look at like how, how businesses have changed so rapidly in the pandemic, and, and there will be that increase of working from home and, um, you know, increased flexibility around work hours, so it is actually a good time to initiate change, um, mm-hmm. and it's quite remarkable that this change has come about, um, you know, we've been suggesting congestion charging for several years now, but it's starting to actually be something that's talked about rather than something that's we're not going to touch with a 10-foot pole.
1: Mm-hmm, gotcha. <laughs>
0: Back to that question about public transport, because I think it is an important one, especially at the moment. Is it counterproductive to have congestion charging, which is encouraging people out of their cars and onto trains and buses?
1: Yeah, look, I think that's a really fair point and and it's something to be, to be wary of. It's certainly the downside, I suppose, of looking to introduce this kind of reform now. But we have to remember that just switching to public transport is not the only way to adapt to a congestion charge. So people also have the option to drive outside the peak to avoid the charge, drive not as often or occasionally drive at different times to reduce the total charges they face. Uh, work from, you know, continue to work from home or work from home more often to avoid the charge, or even something like um, carpooling as a, as a way to reduce the total charges they pay.
0: I mean, even with us at Grattan, we're talking about what a return to work looks like, and and that certainly won't be the same as what work looked like before COVID. Um, you know, there'll be a lot more flexible working and people working from home on more days than they were previously. I want to touch a little bit on something about the question of equity, and I think the other big problem with inducing congestion charging is that it's creating a new cost, and and these are difficult times for a lot of people. Are we just adding more financial burden onto people who need to drive to the city?
1: Yeah, look, it, again, it's a it's a really important thing um, to keep in mind and be and be wary of um, as we look at this kind of reform. I suppose the thing I'd note is that. To have effective congestion charging, you really only need it to apply at peak times, um, and we'd also suggest that you only need it to apply in the peak direction. So, people coming in for work at non-peak times, such as shift workers, um, they wouldn't need to pay, um, or even people that are travelling at peak times but perhaps driving against the peak. So, someone who's coming into work, um, coming into the city for work in the evening peak, they they wouldn't need to pay. For people that are travelling into and out of the CBD at peak time, so full-time workers, what we've actually seen in our previous reports is that they actually tend to be higher uh, income earners. And so they're probably better placed to bear the charge should they choose to continue driving at those times. So I think if you were to uh, implement congestion charging, you would also look closely at the sorts of exemptions um, you'd want to make for certain people. So particularly... um, Uh, If someone is mobility impaired, they rely on their car to get to work. You could certainly, as part of the scheme, put in place exemptions uh, for people like that who really need to to be in their cars.
0: So, Greg, we've seen a lot of businesses start working from home, and, and it's certainly a trend that's likely to continue. And as a result, people are actually weighing up the move to the country or to regional areas because they can work from home most of their week if this continues, do you think we'll see a drop in congestion anyway? And and if so, like, what is the point of charging for it if we're not going to get that much revenue
1: from it? This is really a question about how much working from home we should expect to see in the future. And I guess just to give some context um, to, to the question, before the pandemic, very few people worked from home. So, in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane about 5% did and in Perth and Adelaide it was about 4%. And, all, and although those numbers were small, um, the trend was up. So obviously lots of people in workplaces have found during the pandemic that working from home can work in the right circumstances. So I'd expect to see higher rates of working from home into the future and of course if people aren't required to be at their workplaces often they may be open to living further from it. But I'm not sure we'll see such a huge rush of people looking to move out of the city or a sustained drop in congestion for a few reasons. So firstly, the fact remains that most jobs can't be done from home. So there's been some research in the past couple of months that has estimated that about 39% of jobs can be done from home. So for a lot of workers and commuters, the other 61%, they haven't really been a part of this working from home phenomenon that a lot of us have experienced during the pandemic. Um, Secondly, I wouldn't underestimate the desire of some businesses and organizations to want to snap back to the old way of doing things if and when they can. So some bosses and managers may have strong personal preferences, you know, for good or bad reasons for employees to be back in the workplace when they can be. And thirdly, well, as I say, a lot of us have found that working from home does work in the right circumstances. I don't think we will want to lose too many of those benefits that we only get from being in the same physical workspace. So of course, there's a the whole kind of water cooler and kitchen and going for coffee social aspect of it, but there's also a productivity aspect to it. So we have great technology that allows us to communicate and share information, but in a lot of situations there really is no substitute for having the ability to have a face to face discussion and i'm not sure we will want to lose too much of that going forward
0: you're exactly right in that and and it's it's not the same having those conversations over zoom because there's something that you intrinsically miss about having the presence in the office and, and having a face-to-face conversation with someone. And I have to say that my cat is just not as good at water cool <laughs> conversation yeah. um, as my work colleagues.
1: I've tried. Well, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Thanks, Kat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is all well and good, but how likely do you think it is that the New South Wales Government will follow the advice that's being given and take steps towards congestion charging?
1: Yeah, well, I guess this is the big question, isn't it? Um, and it's an interesting one. I mean, as of yet, I haven't seen any clear indications from government um, as to what their thinking is. Um, perhaps we will have to wait until both the 3D review and the New South Wales Product- uh, Productivity Commission make their final reports. Look, certainly to this point, um, congestion charging has been ruled out by the New South Wales government. Um, That's probably not all that surprising, given it's always been a controversial issue politically in Australia and overseas. But I think these reports in New South Wales represent a really important step in the debate because here you have two expert bodies, both independent of the government but providing advice directly to it, and they are both at this stage recommending the government pursue a court and charge in Sydney. So look, I mean, these, these reports um, aside, you know, the, the bigger picture really for the New South Wales government and all state governments is that these kinds of calls for congestion charging in our larger cities aren't going to go away. And really, unless we put congestion charging in place, then congestion on our roads won't be going away either.
0: Thank you, Greg, so much for your insights as to why this time might actually be the best time to investigate congestion charging. If you'd like to keep the conversation going, please connect with us on Twitter at GrattanInst and on social media at Grattan Institute. Grattan Institute is a non-profit organisation and we rely on donations from our wonderful listeners like you. If you've enjoyed our podcast this year, please consider donating at grattan.edu.au forward slash donate. Please take care of yourself in these tumbleweed times and thanks so much for listening.